0: all right well let 's there we go let 's get started with prayer and we can kind of, father thank you so much for your beautiful matchless, immeasurable winsome wooing character um, that you love us so graciously and father your faithfulness is um, every morning and father we just thank you that um, each of us in our lives have the privilege to be able to mark these uh, Times that we ember and back to um, speak of your character in our lives and Father, I pray that as we go through our time together this morning, that you would use it in a way that would honor you. um, That you would allow the time to be uh, able to call our hearts um, to a place that you would have us be, which is um, living in intimacy with you. And Father, I just thank you for. Um, to the people in this class and those that are listening to this on the internet, Father, I pray that um, that the um, things that we talk about today would resonate in hearts, Father, that you would use them for us to counsel our own souls and our own hearts um, towards intimacy with you and to be able to come alongside others um, that we rub shoulders with, There. Um Father, to encourage them to edify them, to exhort them, to admonish them, 'm more like Christ, and uh, the wisdom of knowing how to do this well, and um, I just pray that you would use the conversations that occur in this room further each of our understanding of that relationship that you want from us um, so desperately, and want us to um, experience the fruit that comes from. Just this intimacy with you. Father, I pray that you would uh, guard our hearts um, from the adversary vaulted in our time together. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can grab a handout out there if you want. And there's probably a few... Uh, um, the, you guys are going to have to introduce yourselves. I'm going to make you here. <laughs> Rachel, you want to grab those for them? There's a couple of handouts out right outside the door. That's Rachel. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Let's go from this way this way. Just introduce yourself and Marissa and Elliot. Daughter. And this is Cherise. And she's, she's a sister of Rachel, who is a sister of Aaron, who's not with us. And the three of them have brothers who are twins Ryan and Wesley and then you're dating one of them. <laughs> I already told them that, but <laughs> So, welcome, welcome you guys. Well, um if you would take your handouts that you have there, um I just wanted to kind of give you a quick quick synopsis of where we're at and uh uh what we're going to cover today. So, this has kind of been more of a workshop to work through a number of things uh, as it pertains to um, what we call intimacy with God. And so intimacy with God is really um, our relationship with God and how, um, how, how as we live our lives, um, that, that sweetness or that communion with God can be either in, encouraged along the way um, or it can be discouraged. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, when uh when we when we if you would just turn uh to psalm uh ninety three uh if you have your bibles or your phones psalm ninety three you know one of the things whether we're in a crisis in our lives whether we're in, we're in um a challenging relationship whether we're um whether um we have uh um, created uh problems in our lives that we're reaping the fruit of those things. Um, Any way you look at it, um, one of the things that I always work with people on and remember myself is um, just this question to try to arrest my soul, which is how we left last week, if you remember, talking about the sovereignty of God. And so when I when i ask the question like where is god in all the things that, that the challenges that we that that i'm talking about or we're going through um, what it does is it takes your conversation your thinking to a different place because all of a sudden you're not focused on the problem that exists that you're to working through or the challenging relationship that you're working through you all of a sudden go to a different place of understanding which is like how, how is, what's god doing here what what's happening and and what and what 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 is he trying to teach me about what's going on, um, Dave? Would you read um, uh, verses one well, one through five here, not Psalm ninety-three. Okay. So w- what I wanted to do was to just begin our time together, taking a look at um, this this psalm, because when you when you and I are confronted with um, God's sovereignty in the midst of our challenges, what what happens in your mind? <coughs> Talk to me about what what happens in your think in your thinking. That's where I was gonna go. <laughs> so hopelessness and confusion usually um, adorn a heart that's in the midst of trial, midst of, of suffering, or in the midst of a challenging relationship. Am I right? Confusion, what are the right things to do? How do I do them right? What else? And when you read this, what does it say? The first three words is the Lord reigns. What, 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 what just changed? How, thinking, by by reading just those three words. He's on the throne, he's reigning supreme. Hold your finger here, turn, to, Psalm ninety seven verse one. This is my mom. I'm the reason. Uh, she's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> this is my sister Anita, and this is my other sister Crystal. Um, Christopher, you might want to grab some handouts out there for mom and you. Um, So when you read Psalm 97, and for you that just came in, your fingers are in Psalm 93 and Psalm 97. When When you read Psalm 97, verses 1 and 2, somebody read that out loud. Okay? So, the Lord reigns again. He is on high. He is the one who reigns in the third heaven. The third heaven is above all things. And it says he is on the throne. So as we, it, as we come in against circumstances, situations, and experiences that we're challenged with, the first thing I want to call our attention to is the fact that the Lord's on high. He is majestic. He is lifted up. He is above all things. He reigns on his throne, the throne of the universe. And on top of that, verse 2 in Psalm 97 says, Clouds and thick darkness surround him. I don't know about you, but I can't see through clouds and thick darkness. So what this is alluding to is the fact that when we're in the greatest need of our lives, and we can't see clearly God on his throne, it's important to remember that God is on the throne still. And he is, he is sovereign. He is, he is omnipotent in that situation. Let's go back to Psalm 93. And he says, um, He is clothed with majesty. Clothed with majesty. Um, So when we talk about majesty, it's his glory. And we said God's glory is the outshining of his character in unapproachable light that no man is actually seen with his eyes um, up close. And, And it says the Lord has girded and clothed himself with strength. Strength being omnipotence. His His omnipotence, His almightiness, um, and it says, "Indeed, the world is firmly established; it will not be moved." So, on top of His omnipotence, He's the sustainer of all things, like the entire creation in in aggregate. You know, each galaxy in the in the universe. They say that there's a billion stars in each galaxy, and that there's probably a billion galaxies. In the universe. And every one of those is properly oriented, sustained, hung in space, kept there for our ability to see them. We don't even see 99.9% of any of that, or will we probably in our lifetime. And yet, He has it there, hung in space, every planet, every star, every world named by Him for His glory. For his glory. And he says, um, "Thy throne is established from, a, from of old. Um, so his, his, his reigning capability on this throne is from eternity past. It, it, it has never ceased to be. It's hard for us to wrap our arms around that, but it has never ceased to be. And he says, "You also, not just your throne, are, are from everlasting. You are eternal." You are the one who is, uh, dwells outside of time and space because that is a created thing to you. And you alone have, e- have, have, have been e- in eternity past. We, as created beings, are, are everlasting. We have a point in time and we will never end in, our, um, in who we are. But God only is from everlasting in the past. Um, we have a point in time, um, and then he goes on to say verse three and four, which is what I appreciated Dave talking about Friday night at in in the paris or the france situation. He says here the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted their voice the The word floods in the in the in the scriptures many times is used as a synonym for the nations okay he says that the, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves, more than sound of many waters, more than the mighty breakers of the sea. Um, the Lord on high is mighty. So His transcendency above the waters, the the nations that are in this kind of you know ongoing cataclysmic churning of things happening. He says he says that. The Lord on high is mighty over those things. He's mighty over them. He reigns over those. In fact, he literally has every person's heart. He knows it real time. And he is orchestrating and conducting the entire situation. And he is bringing it to a point through people's decisions of their hearts, leaders he's put in place, to the end of all things. And so as he brings this towards this end of all things, like he's the one moving all the pieces. He's allowing Satan to be able to do his thing now. But it all is working towards his purposes. And that's the thing that like drives Satan nuts. It drives him crazy. Because he's thinking he's doing what he wants to do. But at the end of the day, God's allowing that to take place so that His will will be established. It was the same thing with the cross, right? Exact same thing. Like He allowed all those hearts to be decided. Caiaphas, this, Pilate, everything. He brings it all together to do what? For Christ to be killed. And yet, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, the foreordained will of God killed Christ. (laughs) And so... That was planned from eternity past. But Satan couldn't overcome the, the resurrection. <laughs> and so, um, he, he accomplished that. And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, uh, Psalm 93, that, Thy testimonies are fully confirmed. What does that mean? The testimonies are fully confirmed. Like a different translation? Fully trustworthy. What is, what is he saying here? Fully trustworthy. No doubt. Take hey, it to the bank. Lean fully into it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey Amen. You know, my, my, my mind also goes to that song. You know, oceans, oceans. You know, oceans. Yeah. So that's a great song too. Just about the same same point here is that when regards to the waves, right? That God is in control. So his faith, he's faithful. His testimonies are fully confirmed, meaning that he's faithful and he's reliable. Both, both, and, and then he goes on to say, "Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Holiness befits your house, for, O Lord, forevermore." Why is holiness such an important ingredient as it pertains to what the psalmist here is saying? Is saying, why is why is why is he close with holiness? Thoughts? in a relationship transcendent God. Yeah. God is on high. Yeah, what's the outcome of acknowledging the holiness of God? Humility, being humble, trust, acknowledgement of my nature, right? I mean now that I am confronted with God's nature, the first thing I do is be confronted with my nature, which is being sinful. <coughs> and so comes really quickly into fruition is just the acknowledgement of my place before an all, all holy God, and, and the other crazy thing this does is it puts all of us in the pl- same place, right like when we acknowledge the holiness of God as a collective group together, what does that just do? It puts us all here the same place it's not there's no there 's no hierarchy or anything else it 's like all all the same level. Does that make sense to everybody so um that's the beauty of the holiness. It befits its house, his house. He says, "It it, it ordain it 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 uh, uh, not, it it, it uh, it's an it's a, it's, a, it's the display of his house. Adorns—that's the word I was getting, trying to get to, like right there. Adorns his house. It 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 it's been decorated, the principal lights of holiness, if you would. Okay. He says, "O oh Lord, forevermore, let it be." This time forward forever. Um, the king in all his glory reigns in majesty. So why is that that why why did I take the time just now, at the beginning of this important time and workshop, we're working through things through, to talk about that? Any thoughts? Yep. We're confusing. That is. Yeah. We're confusing. Amen. And so it's it what it does is it arrests my soul. It like reaches out and grabs it and like Makes it look at this, God's, God's glory, and so when I look at God's glory, all of a sudden, perspective has changed, right I've gone from a two-dimensional challenge that I'm working through right now to a three-dimensional, complete overall view of what's happening, right And all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm going to ask different questions, and the different questions are like, what is he doing? As I, as he's called me, first of all, that he's called me to go through this thing, right, whatever it is, and that he's trying to accomplish some things that I don't, I have no idea what they are. But am I going to push against his hand in my life, or am I going to embrace his hand? In my life? And as I embrace his hand in my life, I'm going to acknowledge his help and his my need for him through this, and I'm going to lean fully into him that, that this situation. Does that make sense? So. Where is God in all this? What's he trying to do? Um, That's kind of what we're talking about here. So um, if you take the handout I gave you, I said, um, you know, uh, by the way, I'm just going to quickly cover in five minutes here what we've covered so far. And then I'm going to go on from here. But we've been in a workshop on intimacy with God and forging that in our lives for the last year or so. And Sam here... And Dave here have been partnering with me to teach that for the last year. And so, um, hard to read here, but um, we, we've been talking about um, an orientation, that we have been image bearers of Christ, a God, and, and, and how do we crystallize the call. And Sam talked about stilling our hearts for intimacy. And, and we've gone through and looked at um, the impediments in our life, like what keeps us from this? First of all, is it most important for us? (coughs) Second of all, what are the inhibitors to that? And then we've also looked at um, uh, God's discipline in our life. We're going to circle back in a a week or two, a couple weeks, to talking about that one more time, like how that looks. And then we've also talked about the disciplines of the Christian life. Um, We've looked at um, memorization and meditation and then as a church, we've looked at how to study the Word of God and prayer. Those are the key ones that we've looked at so far. We'll pick up with more also uh, as soon as we're done with this. And then at the end of this, we're going to be, after um, this section here, we're calling putting it all together, kind of how to apply it in our life. And then um, uh, Sam's going to look at walking this way, and then in-class testimonies of what God's done in our lives over, the, over the, through this study. Um, so, how to counsel yourself and others regarding intimacy with God? Um, so, my question here, um, first of all, is you know we have a number of questions here that I've asked people to think about. Is have you have ever had a close, for personal friend who's going through an extremely challenging relationship? You know, how do you come alongside them uh, personally? If I, you know, how have I been maybe caught up in 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 an in addictive kind of situation or? Um, you know a pattern you know how do I counsel myself? Um, how do I come alongside somebody else? Do I know what scriptures to use? Do I even have a, a simple framework to work through that personally um, when you think about what's important in life, you know there's no m- more important thing than walk with God in intimacy, so I just want us to encourage to that end so knowing how to do that well, knowing how to counsel my own heart about doing that well, knowing how to love those in my life well enough to be able to come alongside them and, and be, a, be have the privilege of, of, work, of coming into their lives and speaking truth with them, assuming they want to know about that truth. Um, what a great privilege. There's no greater privilege than having that opportunity one to another. And so... That's what this is about. And, and and what I've said is that, you know, if somebody had told me that if I had a simple framework to work with, and and that there were like 40 or 50 verses in the scriptures, that if you knew those, you would be capable to counsel yourself or anybody else, and you could skillfully use those verses in such a way, with the Spirit of God helping, be able to come alongside anybody in any situation. I mean, that would have been incredibly exciting to me if I had known that early in my life. Um, I didn't. And so what I've put together here is that, is, is, is a simple framework with simple um, sets of verses to be able to uh, give you the tools to do, to do this with yourself or with others. And that's what we're in the middle of kind of going through. So very quickly, let me just show you What we're talking about here, but putting it all together, what I said here is who or what wins the battles for our hearts will win the war. What wins the war will be our treasure. What our treasure is, is who we will serve, and what we serve will be what we worship. Secondly is progressive sanctification is spiritual transformation, spiritual transformation. And last but not least, we are learning how to replace our affections, our appetites, our um, aspirations with God-pleasing, Christ-exalting, and spirit-enabled hunger, thirsts, and desires, which will please him and bring him glory. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, kind of wrapping it all up. And what we said last time, last few times, is the definition of how to counsel yourself and others, there's three things that that comprises. The first and foremost is to assess my, how I'm thinking. What, what is it, assess my thinking... uh, that needs to change from God's perspective. What I found almost invariably in every counseling situation or in my own heart is that where I'm off track is because I'm thinking wrongly about who God is. Almost 90% of the time. Wrongly about who God is. And as a result of that, I'm actually ascribing to Him something that I shouldn't. Maybe I'm angry at Him or something because of what He's taking me through or whatever the case may be. And therefore... I'm not seeing him as good. I'm not seeing him as, as, as glorious character, who he is, right? And so, um, the second is using God's word to change how I think and how I act, okay? Um, to become more like Christ. That's the second thing. The third thing is to change, to do that for the benefit of my, myself or the individual and also for the glory of God. Make sense? I said 99.9% of all the problems we face in our lives are spiritual in nature. For you to have been around or if you haven't, what, what do I mean by that? Why is that tag there so critical to what we're talking about? Yep. Yep. Right. I'm just going in a circle there because I, I'm, I'm just trying to come up with good ideas <laughs> of how to fix problems. Dave, you're gonna say something? Yeah. The mission a it really does, and so what I've said many times in, in our time together is like, if I ask with the why question, like why is this happening? Why, 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 why? If I ask it like five times, I've probably gotten down to the root cause of what's going on. That root cause almost invariably um, comes back to a, a spiritual issue why it exists. So my question to you is, how do you solve spiritual problems with something that's not spiritual? Impossible. You can do it from a behavioral perspective to act yourself to a different place, but it's not sustaining in nature. Does that make sense? Like, you can't keep it going. Try as hard as you want, you can't keep it going. It has to... Spiritual problems that are root causes to issues in my life have to be addressed from a spiritual perspective. Make sense? Okay. So, um... You can look at this uh, on your own, but the concept here is we have a simple framework for intimacy with God. God's perfect will encounters a noisy soul, an idol, a situation in my life, a circumstance, a relationship. All of it comes to how I think. And then because of how I think and choose, there's this way down, which is really about pleasing myself. And in this way down, the core problem here is, is what we call the sin of unbelief. And it produces fruits that um, aren't, va- aren't, aren't valuable spiritually whatsoever. And there's this like downward progression of discouragement, depression, dislocation, disengagement, dis- discon- discontented, defiled, disruptive, disqualified, despair, ending in death. So th- this process is sequential in nature. You may find yourself as you wake up at number three. Well, I can guarantee you number four is coming. If you don't change how you think, okay, if you don't change what's happening, you will continue down this road. And this is the discipline of the Lord in our life. He cares more about my intimacy with Him than I care about it. Therefore, He's passionate about pursuing your heart, and He's going to take you through this journey. So, the bottom here is repentance and forgiveness. And so that it may go well with you, and then the way up is reconciliation with with God, and and the fundamental construct there is that I would want to please Him, like that's the most important thing. It's the, the it's the first question I ask anybody or myself is like, am I willing to do what it takes to please God in this situation? If I am, then I can I, I'll, I'll make good decisions from now. I'm looking for the answers, right? I'm looking for the answers. I'm not just kind of got a stiff arm to God, I'm looking for the answers. And the answers are going to be found in the scriptures. Uh, and then so reconciliation with God is happening. I put this quote up here, two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And then intimacy with God can be re, 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 reformed, if you would. And this way forward of restoration is put in place. And this, this Ephesians 1 is about progressively knowing God. And so this solution for this side versus the core problem is to trust God and believe Him. And that will create fruits of the Spirit. It will create fruit that comes from the, from, the, from the hand of the Lord in my life, which is called the discipline of the Lord. And it's going to create hope and life. So that's kind of that framework, if you would. Any questions just before we go on from there? I think It is the heart. The closed heart is... Yeah, for sure. So, this next slide says, like, when I I start with this, is that God exists. Deal with it. That's how I just deal with it, personally. Like, and what about what you think is going to change this? (laughs) Right? Why don't I... God is. He exists. And He's on the throne. Okay? So... The point here, up here, is that why have I been created? All these verses lead to the fact that I've been created to live for Him, to please Him, to exalt Him in my life, like not anybody else, for Him. And so if I choose to want to do that, then I'm going to make the wise decisions. And so doing wrong, doing right, displeasing God, pleasing God. And then what I've got, what I put here is just three phases that everybody will work through in that dip, if you would. The first one is what we call the diagnostic phase, which just basically says, like, how did I get here and why am I here? It's a simple questions, right, that talk about doing an inventory and trying to get a a sense of not what the symptom is, because almost invariably the symptom is going to show itself in a feeling of some kind, almost invariably. Make sense? So a feeling, and, and therefore I'm going to feel a certain way. What, what is good about feelings and what's bad about feelings? Huh? Feelings. They're feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, feelings are good. God's wired us with feelings for a purpose. But what is it meant to do? I, I call them the idiot lights of our soul. They point us to what's going on and what the problem is. But it doesn't mean that that's the, that's the, that's the real problem. Does that make sense? Like, I can be feeling anger about something. Well, that doesn't mean my anger is justified, does it? <laughs> but I'm still feeling angry. So, why am I feeling angry is the question. Well, almost invariably, most of us, because we're angry, is probably going to be something about being self-motivated or self-justified or something, right? Um, as opposed to it being good anger. There is good anger, right? Um, the prescription phase. Once I know what the problem is, then how do I dress it? How do I prescribe it? So this is really key for you to know the Word of God to be able to say, like, what does it say? How do how do I how do I use that right? And then um, uh, the stabilization phase, which is that kind of moving forward side of it. So once I've figured, once I've worked through the problem, once I've addressed it, the root cause and I'm starting to make good decisions in my life, now I want to encourage that process more and more by doing the right things and thinking the right way. So the more I make good decisions about those things, the better I'm going to be at stabilizing my life in my intimacy with God. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? Okay? So that's how that comes together from these three phases. That's what we've been talking about here. So, um, what I did before was I walked through how I'm, my mind is being oriented, if you would, uh, during those three phases. Here it's about what the problem is. Here it's, about, um, uh, here it's about self. Here it's about the problem. And I'm trying to get my eyes focused on Christ um, there. The approach that I would go through in each of these phases... And then how do I go deeper? How do I go deeper to be able to work through some more challenging areas that, that I've encountered? Lots of ideas and ways to do that, if you would. But then if you take these three phases, what I did on the next slide, right, is, is uh, basically give you the different verses. And then you have another handout that has all the verses also um, by phase um, that you can refer to, okay? And so, um, you wouldn't use the, all these verses in every situation, but what we're doing right now is going through these verses and and um, working through them and uh, determining what the truth is or the principles are behind those verses, and we're writing those down and we're building together what that looks like. Does that make sense to everybody? And so, if you take this other handout I gave you, that... Um, Looks like, uh looks like this, lies, take every thought captive. So take that one out now, which was your, your homework if you were here. And then also, yeah, that one. Um, so we've gone through and looked at uh, the first sets of qu- verses. Each of these bullets on here is a different, uh, is a different uh, verse that we've gone through um so far. Um and and we're we're through until up into um uh I think it's James four one through three, which is this one here, that first column. So when we were looking at James, at, at uh 1 Corinthians 10 13, what we saw here is, excuse me, uh 2 Corinthians 10 3 through 5. Um we, we, we looked at this, this one right here. It says, only, sol- only solution is spiritual or divine enabled. We are powerless without the spirit. Root cause to our problems is thinking wrong thoughts about God and acting on them. Need to destroy the fortresses by taking every thought captive. Replacing lies with the truth must create new furrows to drive in. Um, so, so turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Is somebody read that real quick. For us, think corinthians ten three through five, okay, so when Satan tempted Eve in the garden what what was satan 's goal in the temptation or through the temptation to do remember what was what was his goal what what caused the temptation to be uh, productive from his perspective caused doubt on what what God said or who God is. So on what God said, or who God is, which is the very core of the nature of temptation. Pause doubt, put doubt in my mind about who God is, or to put doubt in my mind about what he said. Um, Okay? Makes sense? And so, when you talk about the weapons of our warfare being uh, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, uh, it says our weapons um, are divinely powerful for the Destruction of fortresses. When we looked at this, what 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 are the fortresses that are raised up here? They're raised up against what? In our, in our hearts, in our souls, thoughts. God's word. God's word. God's word. It's raised up against God's word, and so our ability to know God's word and apply it well in a specific situation or circumstance is 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 what he's talking about here. It's the it's the taking every thought captive that that goes against the knowledge of God, goes against who he is and what he's done. Does that make sense? Okay? So so he calls our thinking a certain way a fortress or a prison. He says like we're in a mind prison because we've decided to think a certain way about who God is. And what he's trying to say is, like, you got it all wrong. Like, it's all wrong. Like, you've got to go back and change your perspective of God's glory, who he is, and his character. Because once you've changed your perspective of that, it'll modify how you're thinking about what you're doing and going through right now. It'll, It'll completely revolutionize it. And that's what he calls pulling down fortresses or destruction of fortresses. Yeah. Yes. You want to say that? <laughs> Sorry. God's, God's thinking the way God thinks. Okay, good. So, last week I asked you to kind of uh, put together um, uh, taking every thought captive. And what I said is there's certain lies we believe about ourselves, and there's the truth about what God says. And scripture to support that. last week, um, if you have this handout, if you, last week we looked at "I am unworthy and unacceptable," and we said, looking at these verses here, the biblical truth there is that I am accepted. I am. I. God accepts me, um, and uh, and that we are. Um, we, we we broke this this into two parts because the words "I am unworthy" is what it's true. <laughs> That's the point. It is true. <laughs> uh, we are unworthy, right? And as a result of knowing the Scriptures, we are only worthy through Christ and what He's done on, on our behalf. And so that's an example of, of a lie and, and taking the, that, that lie captive and believing the truth about God. Um, the second one is I am alone. Um, I am alone. How would, you, how would you address this with somebody? Or in your own thoughts, I'm alone. And go ahead. Great. So if you've got that um, handout, just just write that in there. um, Add it to what's in there already. Okay. Any other thoughts on that one? I'm alone. Yep. Which also is um, reiterated in Hebrews. Everybody, turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 5 and 6. Somebody want to read that? Yeah, 5 and 6. Okay. So, um, I will never forsake you. I will never desert you. Um, I said here, I'll I'll, um, live in you and you'll never have to be alone as I had to be when I died on the cross for you. So, never again, um, because the Spirit of God lives in us, would we ever have... Have to encounter this being alone again. Any other thoughts? Okay. Next one is I am not special to anyone or or loved. I'm not special to anyone or loved. Uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever felt this way? I have. So, how do you what's how do you uh, counteract that thinking that lie thoughts? I put here Psalm 139, 17, and 18. Maybe let's turn there. If somebody doesn't have another one. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Anybody want to read that for us out loud? Yeah, 139, 17, and 18. Okay, so w- w- what is uh, David saying here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's... I mean, if you think about God who has the capability to keep every thought of every person all real time in his mind to know motives that are behind every one of those thoughts at all times, six, seven billion people on planet Earth. <laughs> Remember all of those that happened at every moment of time for every person in all of history and know it all real time. What, what, what does that give you a sense of as... When it says, like, how vast the sum of them are of not everybody else, but your thoughts about me. (laughs) It's mind-blowing. Great one. Um, So if God is for us, (laughs) who can be against us? (laughs) Right? Um, What a beautiful bridge from last week, last uh, time we got together. I think God isn't. Yeah, there you go yeah but what you 're seeing on each one of these on the that are lies that they are like if if not addressed, they take you to a place that is experiencing i call it death existential death it 's just it's it 's a mind separation from who got from god 's presence like it discouragement doubt all those things are it takes you to a place of uh, that's, that I, I'll suggest many times is like this whirlpool. Just this whirlpool. It's hard to get out of unless somebody comes in and helps you reframe your thinking, or 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 you happen to be studying scriptures and it helps change your thinking. Just not normal to get out of that whirlpool by yourself necessarily. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was careful. Careful, 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 he says. says. <laughs> yeah, last time we got together, we talked about how we had drawn this probably wrong, right? We said like we probably should have it drawn like this, you know, because if you're, you're if you're not doing something intentional to grow, um, you're probably not you're probably backwards um, from a from a relational perspective. And think about it just with a. Your wife, or or significant other, or whoever it is that you're you're developing a relationship with, like, if you're not if you're not growing in that, if you're not putting time into it, if you're not intentional about some things you're trying to do to improve that, it's probably degrading. It probably is. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 go to that one um, since you jumped on it. Um, I must be true to myself. Um, Hear it all the time, right? That's good for you, you know. I have to do what is best for me, or I What? What are your thoughts on that? Versus there, How would you? What's the thinking that you have to? What's the lie that's happening there? And I, I use that language on purpose because that's that language has allowed me to prescribe something that's accurate versus waiting around in kind of a cesspool of, of lack of clarity. Because if I know it's a lie, I can deal with an, with what the answer is. But if I somehow don't call it out for the sin it really is, that I'm sinning at that moment, then probably not going to prescribe the right answer to it. Does that make sense? So for me, just to be honest with myself about it being a lie is a huge step for me to be able to take the next step. You were going to say something though, Sam? Yeah. Huh? And that would be... Nothing good. (laughs) Right? Go ahead, Dave. (laughs) Call it on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sets a tone. Sets everything in. Yeah. That's a really good way to articulate. Other thoughts on that one? Yeah, you know, it really is. You know, I mean, look at look at the theme through it all, right? I, I, yep. so you know. I put here, um, this was my is what I did here, my homework. Um, you must be true to Christ. He is the only one I live for, not myself. Living for myself is the lie of the world, a self-centered, anti-Christ way of thinking. I need to die to myself and fully trust that Jesus knows better than I do. So, the, I mean... When you, when you look at the three or the four ones we've looked at, first three and this last one, any observations about the antidote that we've talked about? And the, well, Connie kind of said what the thinking is, but what's the antidote to all these that we've talked about so far, pretty much? It has a little different twist, right? But what, what, what fundamentally is really believing what God said, right? What God in His Word says about that, that thought process right um, here's another one I, I do not have what it takes to be successful in life I do not have what it takes to be successful in life what, just an observation to the question What what's going on in the thought process here right <laughs> there's, there's, there's something out there put success in quotes right that, that they've accepted or adopted as to other people's perspective their perspective something right so one of my first questions there is going to be about, like, how do you define success then? And, and, and this is, you think, that th- you think this is like small potato gushing points. This question alone can lead to quantum change in a person's life. It did for me. It did for me. Like, why am I living? What's my purpose? Why am I here? My purpose was to get ahead. My purpose was to make much of myself. My purpose was to make money. My purpose was to do well at, wor- at work, or sports, or something. Until I, ha- until I came to the point of acknowledging like my definition of success is wrong. It's not biblical. Did I come personally face-to-face with my own sin? So... This question alone for myself was it's a game changer. It changes everything about who I am. And so if if now my purpose of what of what it takes to be successful in life if the definition of success goes from those way of thinkings that way of thinking to one thing and one thing only which is pleasing God. Like if I please God like everything else takes care of itself. Like that's my definition of success now. Oh my goodness, like every day I can see myself successful. Every day I can see making more decisions today than I did yesterday to please God. Every moment I can say, in this setting, at this time, I did the right thing the right way for the right reasons. God was glorified. He cares about everything else. He says it's all going to work out. Let's just look at the, he's often in scripture, well, there's a discipline. But I just want to act to this because I don't have what it takes successful. All of any yeah. of those things of godliness. So it's not the teacher. So that part of it, that's why I like it. so this is God's promise There's also a, a, our disciplines, our part of it, is that where devotion is really amazing. Yep. Absolutely. And this 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 commitment towards that end, you know, we talked about the Romans passage here, is like, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And um, you know, his his continual devotion should frame up my be more like Christ. Well, He's fully devoted to me. Am I fully devoted to Him? You know. And so, what does that look like for me to do different? But just this conversation about success, I think, and purpose, I think, is is critical because it's it's just going to change my whole thought process. I if I, if I can lay my head on the pillow today, making more decisions to please God than I did yesterday, then I'll I'll. I'll put one in the wind palm for today. <laughs> it's that simple. It really is. Um, but it took me a long time to get to that point. I have to be perfect. It's a lie. I have to be perfect. You perfectionists in the room, raise your hand. Ah, I see. That was only on your forehead, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's the musing one. <laughs> OCD, (laughs) Um, calling all perfection or perfectionistic people. How do you combat that? How do you combat that? This is ingrained in you, ingrained in me. Like, how do you combat that? That's a lie, right? Mm -hmm. It says that I can somehow gain by beat by doing something. That that's a fundamental lie. Why is it a fundamental lie? First of all, we'll always not measure up because as soon as I get this one, what, what what does my mind go to? Well, it's the next one. Then I gotta have a higher goal or whatever the case may be, right? And like I never measure up myself, much less anybody else. I mean, it's so defeating. It's so uh, hard. What what? How do you combat that as a perfectionistic person using the scriptures or how what God teaches us to fight? rightly? Or if you're not a perfectionistic, help us. <laughs> what would you say? Okay. So first of all, admitting it. What else? I don't know about you, but trying to measure up or be perfectionistic is just a huge burden on my back, and like, it's always exhausting. You're just trying to do the very best you can all the time. Just hard, right? It's just very hard. So how do you how do you combat it, Connie? <laughs> I, was just, I, was, um, I was just like taking the top of my yeah. shoulders yeah. and laying it at his feet. Well, the first is to acknowledge it, right? right? Second is, I think, love the passage that Sam always calls us to attention. We give our burdens over right. to right. Jesus. Let him carry the load. Right. It's heavy. It's burdensome. He says, you carry my, my load is light. I'm walking with it on my shoulders instead of your shoulders. Just by doing that, from a metaphor perspective, what are we, what are we doing? What are we acknowledging? How do you give that over to the Lord for Him <coughs> to carry versus yourself, and therefore it's light or burden? Fundamentalism. It's just it's, it's emancipating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It the word October is a blur. Navigate and control, and you know all this. And be going, you know, we're going to work around it. I'm in control. We have it all in. Mm-hmm. And then, whatever, that wasn't even like on all in control. Plan B plans whatever I was planning. Mm-hmm. Lighted my heart. Yeah. You know, we well, hopefully, this has encouraged your heart, called you back to things that matter most, sense of approach to counseling your own heart, framework to learn more. Be able to come alongside and help others, love others well enough to be involved in their lives to help them. Um, it's a special privilege for Mom to be here. And uh, I just wanted to ask her if she would just, well, all the things you've heard today, Mom, just what would you, if you had to share anything in closing, what would you share? He did this, that one died for all no longer live for themselves. Elves, but for him who died, and that was what I was thinking. That was where have to you know, Amen. That verse alone, uh, love of Christ controls us. This word control is the idea of compels or urges us on. It's the o- overwhelming uh, motivation of our heart to uh, glue us to the stuff of eternity, it's to the stuff of eternity. Nita, can you close us in prayer? So we thank you for. The- Amen. Yeah. This now. <laughs>